0: This is Eli Smith reporting from the first day of protests at the Democratic National Convention on Sunday, July 24th. Starting out with a climate change protest that's just getting moving here out front of Philadelphia's City Hall.
1: and I'm a rural central Pennsylvanian and my family is experiencing the pipeline infrastructure build-out that's happening across our state right now. Um, Our state wants to put in 30,000 miles of pipelines over the next 10 years to expand um, the fracking industry and so my family was approached last year by Sunoco Logistics, who wanted a three-acre easement to our property there, property where we live. Um, And my family said no. So the company immediately sued us for the property through uh, the process of eminent domain. And unfortunately, the judge uh, that presides over our county, he ruled in favor of the company earlier this year. We've also uh, faced forceful repression for trying to fight it. Um, when we lost eminent domain and we appealed it and they came into the property anyway we physically tried to stop them by setting up a series of tree sits and um, five people wound up getting criminal charges put on them Uh, my mother who's a retired special education teacher she spent thirty two years in the public school system here in pennsylvania uh... she was taken to jail for three days put in solitary confinement denied the right to talk to a lawyer, denied the ability to call her husband who is elderly and she is a caregiver for um, And so the whole thing's just been a mess. We're just really being abused um, by the industry with the help of the courts, with the, with the help of our own government. Um, so that's what we've got going on. And I came to Philadelphia today because one, I was invited to come to speak about our situation. When I tell people this story, you know, they get really kind of, they're like surprised, they get confused. They're like, how could that happen? You know, how can that happen in America? And what's going on is we have these politicians that are just being, they're not, they're not just turning a blind eye. They're actually facilitating this process. We really, we really don't have anyone in power that's on our side. So we've been trying to do what we can to take that power ourselves because we feel like we have an obligation to, um, as Pennsylvanians, to stand up for our Constitution, you know, especially the environmental clause that says that we have a right to clean air and pure water and the preservation of our environment. Um, We are standing up for the United States Constitution, which says that we have a right to be secure in our property. And like I said, we're just right now being told that we don't have those rights
2: My name is Alesha Vega, I'm the Associate Director of the Coalition for Peace Action. We're one of the oldest uh, peace advocacy groups in the region. We're headquartered in Princeton, New Jersey, but we do cover, uh, we are a regional organization. We cover Central Jersey, South Jersey, Philadelphia, and parts of Pennsylvania.
0: And what is it that, uh, what's what's the message that you're bringing to the DNC protests here?
2: So I think a lot of our leaders, not only not only within the United States but around the world, don't realize that there's a clear connection between the climate crisis and war, uh, as well as climate refugees, as we notably have seen uh, the drought in Syria that began in 2005 that caused the displacement of millions of Syrian refugees um, from urban to rural areas, ultimately uh, causing conflict, civil conflict and, and war. And, and climate refugees essentially so that we're making that connection with the climate issue um, any brand and fracking um, all of these things are related they have to do with climate injustice so we want to ban fracking now there is no short term um, we don't have the time you know people want to talk about making small steps we don't we can't afford to make the small steps anymore we ha- we talked enough about it we need action we need to make giant leaps uh, we need to transition to 100 renewable energy and we know how to do it it's been done it's um, the, the state of California it's on its way there's already been 80,000 renewable energy jobs created in New York State alone uh, the city of Vermont or city of uh, Burlington Vermont is run on 100 renewables. We know how to do it. The resources are there. The science is there. Um, but are the, our, our leaders, not only the Democrats, but the Republican leaders, they're in the pockets, they're in the hands of the oil and fossil fuel industry. Um, and we need to make these demands now. And a big, a big step that people can do is go out to our website, thepeacecoalition.org, uh, and find out how to speak to our representatives, speak to our senators, peace lobby, um, and tell them what our demands are.
0: It's Sunday and the first day of protests at the Democratic National Convention. We've just heard sounds of the climate change ban fracking protest march, which will be immediately followed by a pro Bernie Sanders march. These marches are gathering at and departing from Philadelphia's City Hall.
3: There's a party of the working class, dump the elephant, dump the ass, there's a party of the working class. TPP, stop the oh, TPP, stop We need a party of the 99%. 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 Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter! Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.
4: The Clinton establishment, the neoliberal regime that we've been living under for so long, whether it's Reagan or Clinton or any one of these, they're all of essentially the same creed. They've bred the mass uh, unrest that has led to Trump. So, why would we want to back the ideology and the candidate that is the representative of why people endorse Trump in the first place?
1: We're calling for a party of the 99%. We're calling for people to stop voting for, um, to just Say no to lesser evilism, to stop voting for the platform that exists and to start actually building a platform that represents the values of, of us. You and know what I mean? We're tired of settling for less than what we deserve.
4: In concrete terms, we're uh, working and backing Jill Stein. Like we're working with the Green Party and we're, they're our allies right now and trying to build this more mass movement. Uh, and it ranges. It, our sort of umbrella organization that's forming is between all greens, progressives, and socialists sort of coming together under, uh, that's what we're trying to do is get them together under one banner.
0: I've been voting green for for years, you know, but it, and it never seems like it really grows or goes somewhere. Do you feel like that's changing now?
4: Oh, absolutely. You, uh, I, I think, think she's yes. building a lot of momentum I
1: mean, after Bernie backed really Hillary had. Clinton, yeah, you know? Her donations yeah.
4: have increased a thousand percent since Sanders endorsed Clinton. And that's a precedent we have to look towards. And like, like 50%, I saw a statistic, about 50% of the Bernie supporters previously have gone over to Jill Stein, which is not insignificant. And we can build off of that. How you
5: doing,
0: sir? I'm, I'm good, I'm, I'm from WBA, I'm WBAI Radio in New York. I was wondering, could I ask you a question or two? Sure, that ask right? a question. Uh question. I was wondering if you could just uh, say the name of the organization you're with and what brings you to this uh, march today. I'm with the Equality Coalition for Camden.
5: Equality Coalition for Camden, and I come here today to show support uh, for my people over in Camden, also for Bernie Sanders. As you can see, we got we have the you know buses out here, and we have vans, and we have people here. It's a great bus. You have black men for Bernie, a big bus that just pulled up. At, yes, because the reason why we're here because we got we actually want to show that black men are actually concerned with the political process. We're concerned with our communities. We care about our communities, we care about our families. I have hundreds of friends that are locked up right now who can't come and also their ancestors who live through me and I'm here to represent all of those life forces. I'm here to represent all those spirits. All that spirit is inside, all that energy is in me right now.
0: In your mind, what's the way forward? What's the next step that, that you can think of? The next step is to steadfast and consciously pay attention to what's
5: going on to all be a part of the political process and pay attention to what they're doing in the communities and make sure that we have a voice in all of the, all of the process, anything that goes on in the communities, we have a voice.
0: What's your feeling about about Hillary Clinton? Are you willing to support her or not really? Hillary Clinton to me is very sneaky.
5: I find it to be very sneaky. Come on, what's up with those emails? You know? If there was anybody else, they will be they will be charged with espionage. If there was anybody else, they'll be locked up in jail right now. Seriously. That was very sneaky.
0: Well, I don't wanna take up too much of your time, okay. but what do you say about the whole narrative of lesser of two evils, like what if Trump gets elected, you know? See the lesser of two evils, that's very glazy.
5: Picking the lesser of two evils, that's very lazy. Yeah. That's very lazy. We're not a lazy country. Look at all the stuff we built. We have people all over the world watching us. We cannot be picking less of two evils. We can't do that. We can't go out like that. That's not the type of country we have. We just had we just had an awesome president. Some people may not like him. It may, you know, want to dig up some dirt on him. But overall, he was a very intelligent, respectable man. Black man. How can we go from here to here? Terrible. I should run for
0: president. Yeah, I know. I should run for would president. Vote, I would vote for you. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Excuse Hi. me? Hi. I'm from WBAI Radio. Could I ask you a couple questions as we walk along? Sure. Okay. Well, you're, we're here. You're holding a giant, beautiful Bernie Sanders puppet. Well, not a no, whole we'll thing. Just the one
6: right arm on. in hand, yes.
0: And I was wondering if you could tell me how you built the puppet and where you came from and uh, what brought you here.
6: Okay, well, I'm from Los Angeles. I came in, flew in yesterday for this event. Uh, I didn't build it though. I'm just now the second time being his right arm. I marched in the Rose Parade. Alex Schaefer is inside. He's the one that built the whole thing.
0: Oh, he's in there walking. He's I can see him walking. He's in there
6: walking. Yes, he is. He's quite remarkable.
0: Oh, so. It's it's beautiful. What inspired you to come all the way from Los Angeles?
6: Uh, well, I actually started working on Bernie's campaign uh, about a couple months before he announced he was going to run officially. Uh, the fir- what first drew me to him was his uh, or his uh, the, his stances on the environment. Uh, yes. But then it's turned into more things since then. The biggest uh, threats facing the world, the <laughs> United States specifically, is uh, money in politics and the world. Corporations are just running the entire world, getting whatever they want. So we have to get money out of politics. So.
0: Yeah, and, what do you see this march as accomplishing, or what do you hope to? Uh, Accomplished by being here.
6: Oh, well, I would love it if every one of those superdelegates that were awarded to uh, Hillary Clinton by her good buddy Debbie Washerman Schultz be nice if they actually woke up and voted their conscience Rather than vote for someone who's just going to take care of them later so they can maintain their power base That's it. That's all that's about. They don't care about the people that live in this country so I hope to bring attention to Bernie Sanders and If he doesn't get the nomination, which he won't, Hillary Clinton shown a remarkable ability to rig elections, Uh, the movement continues.
0: Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. We're marching now in the pro-Bernie Sanders demonstration.
7: I'm Jonah, I'm coming from New York City, and I came down because I love Bernie Sanders, but also I'm interested in the importance of the larger movement and what it represents and what is the continuation of Occupy, Black Lives Matter, the civil rights movement, the environmental movement. This is beyond one person and one presidential campaign, and it's exciting to be here with so many people dedicated to making the world a better place. And, and what, what do you guys see is happening
0: next? Is there going to be a new party that comes out of this, or are you planning on voting for Hillary, or what? how do you feel about, about the future?
8: I'm not voting for Hillary. I'd like to see a, a third party that's for the people sprouting from this, um, so hopefully the Bernie supporters will start building.
0: I- And do you think that is uh, a party that already exists such as the Green Party or would you like to see a, a new organization?
3: I believe the Green Party is a very good alternative. I feel that we have a responsibility not only to this country but to the world. Because everything that we do here affects the world. And we don't have good candidates at this point in time except for Bernie or Jill. I cannot in all good conscience vote the two that are in.
0: And there's the all-pervasive, lesser-of-two-evil narratives. Uh, do you have a, a response for that that you'd like to share?
7: I feel like um, with election politics uh, rigged so much, you know, the um, Election Justice USA has uh, documented that as long as so many other organizations, that the whole uh, question of the lesser-of-two-evils is a distraction from the larger systemic problems that we face. So we really need to look at things at a... At a uh, really at their core existential level and look at look at the dangers faced by the planet and look at every decision we make, every every word that we say, every moment we have to dance on this earth as an opportunity to move towards a true revolutionary change of and for the people that's that's a that's a true peaceful revolution. And that's not gonna be about the lesser of two evils or any of those other distractions. Well thank you all so much for your time. Thank, thank you. you.
0: To head inside of the Democratic National Convention. Now, at least for a little while, we've borrowed some credentials. So. Cool. Um, well, are you and you're from the uh, Nurses Union?
6: Yeah, National Nurses United.
0: From where Where are you from?
6: I'm from California. All right. Yeah.
0: And you're here for Bernie? Bernie, hell
6: yeah. Absolutely. Right.
0: And I think, as I recall, your union was we among the first. the first
6: national ones. union to endorse him. That's absolutely. Right. We're committed to the issues. We're committed to representing the Sanders agenda, right? However we move forward, this is not about electoral politics, this is really about the agenda of getting a single-payer system, free public education for all, being able to get big money out of politics, and uh, moving forward with having a society that has less inequality. I gotta go in. Thank you so much.
7: degrees right now
0: bacon out here we're leaving we're leaving the Democratic National Convention now at the arena
7: that's ordered by choppers
0: heading back out towards the Orwellian free speech zone. Socialist Convergence, a meeting called by various local and national socialist organizations to try to build a movement based on the broad support that Bernie Sanders received during his primary campaign. I'll be talking with several of the organizers from these socialist groups that have called the Socialist Convergence here, uh, happening every night during the Democratic National Convention here in Philadelphia. Could you tell me your name and the name of the organization that uh, you're here with?
8: Do you want me to hold it? Okay. My name is Ariel DiLiberto and I'm here with Philly Socialists.
0: We're here at the Socialist Convergence, uh, which is like a, an alternate sort of convention or gathering at the same time as the Democratic National Convention. And I was wondering how it was that you came to call this Convergence and uh, what you're hoping to accomplish here.
8: So, as soon as it was announced that the DNC would be in Philadelphia, we recognized as a prominent socialist organization here in Philadelphia that this was a huge opportunity. We knew that Bernie Sanders was not going to get the nomination, even all those months. It may have even been almost a year or a year before. Um, and we knew that people were going to be angry and that there would be lots of protests and that people would be looking for an alternative. So we saw this as an opportunity to organize, to show there is an alternative and it's not within the Democratic Party as we see that failed and as we've seen most recently it failed with intention from within the Democratic Party um, in part. But we also always knew that it change was not going to come from within the Democratic Party. Uh, so this was really an opportunity for kind of this massive change in consciousness of people realizing that, people who had really bought into the Bernie campaign for all the right reasons, um, because of the hope it promised. And this was an opportunity to get, you know, Philly Socialist's name out there, but more importantly get the idea of the need for a third party out there. And so we wanted to show up, be really organized, have something for people. To go to something for them to do, something for them to learn, and that's kind of what this week is about.
0: Did Philly Socialist endorse the Sanders campaign, or uh, did you? Are you simply trying to reach his supporters?
8: Yeah, so, at this point, we're a non-sectarian group. We uh, don't have a party line. We did not endorse the campaign. We had plenty of people within the organization who were very excited about it, volunteered for it, voted in the primaries. Um, but as an organization, um, it was important to us because we knew what was going to happen all through the nomination that rather than throw all our resources behind this fleeting moment that we knew would be defeated, we knew that the, the work to build a, a third party is actually much deeper and longer term, and uh, we wanted to continue investing in the work that we've been doing for that, and then be able to, you know, present people f- who are supporting Bernie with that work.
0: Do you see a third party as a kind of left coalition party that has yet to emerge, or do you feel like it's already here with the Green Party, or what's your what's your uh, thoughts on that?
8: I think it uh, is going to be a, a left third party that has yet to emerge, and that's kind of Maybe the unstated goal or at least some people's goal with this convergence is to plant the seeds of that. Um, We have so many amazing people from so many different leftist organizations here and you know I was just in the overflow room because the actual panel discussion is at capacity and in the overflow room is just other members of these organizations kind of talking about what do we want, what are the opportunities and everyone agrees. It's just time to kind of bring everyone in the same room to see that.
0: What are you calling for or what's the next step? What are you going to do in the weeks and months after this convergence? That's a tough question. I'm sorry.
8: No, it's not actually tough. I'm just not sure. I know that Philly Socialist has an idea of what we'd like. I don't know how how shared it is with the other organizations at this point, but um, some sort of coalescing around the idea of one unified party um, and then possibly starting a couple seed uh, organizations on the ground in some cities where a lot of the groups that are here aren't active already, it's to kind of try to actually start building that party on the ground, uh, possibly borrowing from a lot of the models that our organizations already use, but just kind of as a, I guess a kind of experiment, testing ground to see if we can move this national front idea forward in you know a new city, and also I guess that is also a way to kind of not step on anyone's turf if we start out in a, in a new city that, you know, doesn't already have prominent Democratic Social of America chapter, isn't Philadelphia with Philly Socialists, and, you know, in the beginning people can kind of get used to this idea of a unified group without having to all of a sudden throw out their identity at the get-go.
0: Is Philly Socialist affiliated with a national organi- organization uh, or some historical vein of of socialist ideas or is it it's a new is it a new group
8: so one of the reasons that Philly Socialist was formed was due to frustration with the left and feeling like things were so fractured it may seem ironic then why would you form a new group in an already fractured landscape but the thought process behind it was we need a group that is like I said non-sectarian non party line so we in our organization we have anarchists we have supporters who identify more as libertarian, and that, I think, leaving that wide open has allowed our membership to grow, and so, I mean, while the uh, the people who founded Philly Socialists certainly maybe came from certain traditions, the whole idea was, let's drop that premise, you don't have to be Trotsky- Trotskyist, you don't have to be just a Marxist, like, anyone who, and instead we're formed around shared values, so... Our values are uh, science, like we believe in data and proving things that are true, um, human rights and democracy, and like, if any, anyone really wants those, and kind of the premise that capitalism has utterly failed at fulfilling those, then this is the group for you.
0: Are you affiliated with uh, groups in any other cities, or it's, it's really just local to Philadelphia?
8: So we have some, we have at least one kind of formal sister group, uh, Kentucky Workers League in Lexington, and they had kind of already gotten some sort of socialist group started and they had heard about Philly Socialists and connected with us and we actually ended up sending some representatives down there and doing some organizer training. They're now extremely high functioning and, you know, we share best practices, we share similar models and we have a shared leadership retreat every year now. Uh, We meet kind of halfway in West Virginia and, uh, and we each train each other on, you know, areas of that we have expertise in and both kind of grow together. So, yeah.
0: I don't want to take up too much of your time, but, uh, you know, most people out in America, I think that might be attracted to progressive ideas are legitimately frightened of Donald Trump and a, a Trump presidency and maybe see a Hillary Clinton presidency as... More of the same, it's a known quantity, it seems somehow safer. She has some issues that are important, like women's rights, that it seems like she'll do, even if she's a, a right wing candidate in a lot of ways. I was wondering if, if you would share uh, any response that you have to the lesser of two evilism narrative, which seems so dominant.
8: Sure, I mean, I think that's the narrative that has been oppressing movement for a third party for. Decades, um, and I, you know, I definitely won't malign anyone for their individual voting preferences. But um, I will say that I would never, and I don't think anyone in Philly Socialists would ever put dedicate any of their time towards campaigning for the lesser of two evils. Um, the the thing about building a third party is it takes time and it takes a lot of work on the ground and it takes not compromising anymore and to me that's just compromising again so while people within our organization may vote for Hillary uh, there won't there definitely won't be any endorsement on our part um, you know we're not gonna just keep working in a culture of fear we're trying to actually work towards a vision of something better and um, that's just yeah that tactic has definitely scared generations of voters And also I would say the biggest problem in this country is voter turnout. So it doesn't actually matter if someone votes for Jill Stein so much as that people aren't voting at all, and particularly people who may be considered the Democrats' base or what used to be their base, uh, lower-income folks who saw them as an ally, um, just aren't even turning out to the polls anymore, as well as um, younger folks, disenfranchised millennials. So that's really the problem, Um, you know, not not that someone votes for Jill Stein.
0: Are there any campaigns that Philly Socialist is is, uh, working on right now and anything that's on the horizon that you're building towards?
8: Yeah, so our model has always been to organize through on-the-ground projects that both either directly serve the people of Philadelphia or challenge the power structures, and also simultaneously actually organize people by, you know, getting people who just maybe want to do good involved, then they end up getting involved in the organization and working with working-class people on their struggles. So the way we do that, one of our main projects right now is the Philadelphia Tenants' Union, which we helped form. We kind of seeded it starting a couple years back. It's now its own organization, but we're still kind of connected and it's still we consider it for the time being a project of ours kind of under our umbrella, and the Tenants' Union kind of has two different branches to it one is directly fighting the power through direct action campaigns against slumlords. we had been doing this as Philly Socialists before the Tenants Union formed so that means just devising a campaign of escalation against a slumlord when a tenant comes forward to us with a list of grievances so you just start out by writing a demand letter to the landlord saying you know here are the issues we'd like resolved here's how we want them resolved you can do it by this date or you know you'll be hearing from us again they never respond to that so it usually goes from there so um it can you can start by um flyering all their other properties to let them know like did you know your landlord is doing this to one of their tenants showing photos of the condition of the property you can do things like uh make a an appointment to view one of their properties and then stage a protest that happens when you show up to view their property. So you then act as the shocked potential tenant. Um, and the landlord starts to realize this is really becoming a problem. Um, we've had to go as far as show up at a landlord's church to say, you know, this, yeah, this church of yours is actually doing this to their tenants. And, um, and it and eventually it works, and we've gotten thousands of dollars in reparations given back to tenants, um, thousands of dollars in unpaid rent forgiven um, that they were withholding because of the conditions that the landlord was trying to evict them on. Instead, uh, we got that forgiven, so it definitely works. And the other the other branch of the tenants union is legislative work, so trying to expand tenants' rights in the city charter. So right now we're working on something called a just cause eviction, which means that landlords can only evict for certain reasons. Uh, and it's one of those laws that you would think already exists, and in those other cities it does exist. It's not, it's not very sexy because of that, but we see it as a stepping stone to rent control, and just cause and rent control actually work very well together. So that's kind of the ultimate goal. But right now we're working on the just cause eviction, and we're collecting signatures, lobbying council people because we have one council person interested in endorsing it but we don't have a second so yeah that's some of the the on-the-ground stuff we're doing
0: well thank you so much yeah thank you this is the West Philadelphia Orchestra live at the climate change demonstration would you tell me your name and the uh, group that you're, that you're here with?
9: Uh, I'm Justin Harrison and I'm a local organizer with Socialist Alternative here in Philadelphia.
0: And Socialist Alternative is a co-sponsor of, this, of the socialist convergence that's happening here during the Democratic National Convention?
9: Uh, yes, we are.
0: And um, what are you all hoping to accomplish here and calling, calling for here at this convergence? Well, I mean, what we've been
9: putting forward is that there is uh, a huge vacuum on the left, um, indicated by Bernie Sanders' campaign where he's managed to mobilize millions of people around um, very clear demands for $15 minimum wage, around a Medicare for all. Um, he's challenged Democratic Party establishment so that we think that we should use this opportunity to reach out to newly radicalized people um, and try to connect with them. and. Uh, move the ball forward on building independent working class politics. So that's sort of where we're coming from. So why are we here in this space tonight is we saw it as a way um, to work locally with allies on the left but also there's a lot of people in town coming here for the DNC that are looking for answers or way forward and I think that's a big question right now for people is what's the way forward after the endorsement of uh, Hillary by Sanders and after the DNC closes on Thursday.
0: Did uh, Social Alternative, um, you know, support Sanders' at candidacy during his campaign? He is, I guess he's a capitalist candidate, but I, I, how did how did that play out? Right. Um, we critically supported his campaign.
9: Uh, we, um, Shama Sawan, who's a city council in Seattle, um, who is a member of Social Alternative, uh, independent candidate, uh, kicked off Moving for Bernie as an independent candidate. Uh, National campaign to support uh, the candidacy. Um, we did not work inside officially the Bernie Sanders campaign or inside the Democratic Party, but we did organizing outside the party. Organized like here in Philadelphia, for example, we helped organize several marches around the clear demands for $15 minimum wage, against for racial justice, against police violence on housing issues, and trying to politicize the movement um, and broaden it out. So it looked different in different cities, but sort of that was our national
0: attitude towards it. So. Are you now supporting, uh, organizationally, a socialist alternative supporting Jill Stein and the Green Party, or calling for a, a, a left coalition party to form in the future?
9: We feel that the best way forward in the immediate situation is a vote for Jill Stein to show to um, to show opposition to the two-party system, to cut across less rivalism. Um, and so that's where we are right now. We also... Uh, feel that there's a crying need uh, to look towards building independent working class campaigns and we would encourage everybody on the left to seek every opportunity to do that. Um, in coalition, with us or others, whoever, I mean, we have to have these local conversations, what that looks like locally and there's lots of places where that's not practical, people won't agree and it will look different. Um, there's national problems and then these things are solved on the local level.
0: Well, the, the two-party system and the Electoral College and things like that, it's it, its so bad compared to a parliamentary system. How would it be possible to overcome that? And what do you see as the future in, in terms of a third party, a left a left party? How, how, how might that take shape in your mind? I know it's a big question.
9: It's a very big question, and there's a lot of uh, greater and lesser minds working on that and trying to figure it out. And to a degree, like we're talking about trying to predict the future. I mean, if we if we base it on an analysis of where we're at in the US, that it seems like the forces that could move that forward right now are the unions, the AFL-CIO could break with the Democratic Party. Um, they're probably not going to do that in the short term. Bernie Sanders, we, we were agitated, could have run an independent campaign. Maybe he wouldn't have won. Maybe it wouldn't have been as effective. But it would have really raised the bar on what that looks like going forward. Um, We uh, put forward a public position that after he lost a primary, very clearly to Hillary, that he should have called a convention um, in in August or September to bring together the forces around him instead of putting those forces back in the Democratic Party. He clearly disagrees with that and is is that he has a perspective of taking over the Democratic Party from the ground up. We don't think that will work. We think that that party is tied um, through tradition and money and very clear lines to Wall Street and big business in this country, and that's who they represent. So that means it's left to people on the ground. So um, the, on the left, a lot of times it seems like we're isolated into either just conducting these campaigns and protests and without thinking about how to take power or, the, or it's directed into sort of like pure sort of electoral work or something like that. We think that there's a positive feedback loop. If you look at what we did in Seattle, where we had to build, we had to build the campaigns around these issues to run the, the candidacy, and the candidacy fueled the campaign. And then once once you take the seat, then you use that seat not just to. S- stick that person up there and write pretty legislation, but use that seat as a public pulpit to help build the campaigns to support the legislation you're trying to put through. And that's how we won 15. It wasn't just by clever negotiation. It was by mobilizing people on the ground to support what we're doing inside city council as well, independently of the Democratic Party, without taking any corporate money. And I think that we clearly shown it's possible to do on a local level. I think that the Sanders campaign has clearly shown it's possible to do on a national level. The fact that other people aren't doing it is is representative of the political vacuum we're in. So where does that leave us? I mean, I think that means that uh, we have to keep trying, that we have to um, reach out to these people here in Philadelphia this week. We have to build um, our forces, educate ourselves, and we have to look for local opportunities wherever they arise to move the ball forward. Um, The short answer is, in the current situation, um, we have a big picture of what this thing looks like, but the solutions are hyper-local. And it's not in trying to take over the Democratic Party, it's not in just movement building and this sort of protest, 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 but it's how do we build power on the local level and not abstractly, but build power to take power. Uh, so dog catcher races, city council races, school board races, um, wherever we have the opportunity to move the
0: thing forward. Kashama Swant's victory, electoral victory in Seattle was such a powerful statement and such a big, a big victory. Uh, I think it, the reverberations of um, of your all's great work there and her great work there are still uh, very much being felt all over. The narrative of, of lesser of two evilism is is so strong in the United States. I wonder if I could ask you if Socialist Alternative uh, has a position on that. I mean, Hillary has certain things that she will do. She accepts climate change as a reality she would ostensibly support women's rights as opposed to trump i was wondering if you if you had any uh anything you would w- want to say about on that issue
9: Well, i think it would be it would seem abstract and sectarian to say that there's no difference between trump and hillary clinton obviously for a lot of people in this country there's a difference in terms of the way they see the the racist violence and the racist mood whipped up around donald trump's campaign um, what it would look like to have a women president, which feel like a breakthrough for, for uh, people, for aggressives in the country. So there's, there's lots of reasons why we get into details of why I think, it, you know, that they are not exactly the same. So I think the people on the left, some people on the left will say, like, well, they're, they're just all the same. doesn't really matter who you vote for or what you do. We don't, we understand the problemless realism. Under, we understand, I understand why somebody would vote for Hillary. In the situation, and not Jill Stein, which is what we're calling for, right? Or vote against, or vote against Donald Trump, as the case may be. The key question, I think, is we have to ask ourselves how did Don- how did the political space develop for someone like Donald Trump to have the role he did, and who is accountable for that? And the Democratic Party is accountable for that. The the Democratic Party establishment around Hillary Clinton with the austerity policy they pushed through uh, is directly accountable for creating the political space for something like Donald Trump to pose as a savior of white working class people against these liberals. They want to tax them to death and close their schools and all the racist stuff that flows from that. We don't agree with his analysis, you know. Um, but it's out there and it finds an echo. So then the question is, okay, I understand you're going to vote for Hillary because you're afraid of Trump and there's all these evils associated with Trump. What happens November 3rd? Right, that movement that's been whipped up is not just going to go away. Um, and what's the best way to defend ourselves against the racism and white supremacist organizations that are forming around him as well as the reaction around that? Are the Democrats going to do that? And I think they've clearly showed that the knock and Hillary is down there already moving to the right. She, she's, She's... She's looking at Trump and she's saying, like, okay, I've got, the, I've got my lesser evilism card. as Donald Trump. I've got the unions in my pocket. I've got the progressives in my pocket. I've got Sandra delegates in my pocket. So now I'm going to swing to the right and solidify my Wall Street vote. And the rest of us are left holding the bag. And she's going to say, well, what do you want? Did you want Trump? You got me. It's like, okay. And that's where we're going to find ourselves on November 3rd. And she is not going to defend us against Donald Trump. We have to do that. I mean, I think that sometimes the question is artificially posed like it's just a matter of building movements. No. I mean, yes, we need to build our fight back, um, but but we have to organize in our unions, in our schools, in our workplaces where we don't have unions, um, in our neighborhoods, um, but with the focus on how do we move this thing forward to build this independent working class party. And that's how we defend ourselves against Trump. That's how we defend ourselves against the right.
0: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure.
10: My name is Todd Cretion. I'm with the International Socialist Organization.
0: And what brings you and your organization to uh, Philadelphia, to the Democratic National Convention uh, protests this year?
10: Well, we are here at the Democratic National Convention, as you said, for the protests and not for the convention. Um, what we see going on inside the Democratic Convention is unfortunately absolutely status quo for the Democratic Party, which is fake left and then move right to the center.
0: Here, here comes... Here comes the march, Hell No Hillary. We're in the center courtyard of the Philadelphia City Hall, which is this ornate 19th century uh, interior courtyard where people were just marching through, uh, joining another uh, anti-Hillary pro Bernie Sanders march.
10: The way I look at it is the Trump presidency is extremely frightening, and as, as Donald Rumsfeld used to say, it's the unknown unknowns which are frightening,
0: yeah.
10: and that is absolutely true. Donald Trump is going to try to build a wall on the border. The reality is that Bill Clinton, George Bush, and Barack Obama already built the wall on the border, and Barack Obama has deported millions of people, as did George Bush, as did Bill Clinton. The danger of Donald Trump and foreign policy is real, and I don't want to downplay that at all. Uh, but the disasters of the wars, which have been unceasing since uh, the, the, the Bush the father, uh, have been unceasing. And Hillary Clinton is one of the key architects of those wars. So Trump may do more, but we have to understand that what we're standing on is bad enough. The mass incarceration system has, was, was built by Bill Clinton in the 1990s. And so what we're struggling against is this legacy. I think a Donald Trump presidency would embolden the police. I think he would take reckless actions internationally. I think it would embolden the racist right wing. That is absolutely true. However, I think the cure for that is not a Hillary presidency, which will only double down on the policies which are creating the resentment and creating the anger. Either way, Hillary or Donald, what scares me more than either of them, is us not having a mobilized social movement, us not having unions who are willing to go on strike to fight for their rights, us not having an environmental movement who says the planet is burning and Hillary fracking Clinton will not stop it. If we do not have, I'm not talking about hundreds and thousands of people in the streets, but if we don't begin to have tens and hundreds of thousands of people in the streets, if we don't have hundreds of thousands of people going on strike to defend public education. If we don't have a mass third-party alternative to challenge the two-party system, then what we're really picking is how fast do we want to be in the car hurtling towards the precipice. We have a finite number of time to mobilize ourselves and organize ourselves. My rough back of the envelope math is that we have 20 years in this country to put together a revolutionary mass movement to challenge these two parties if we wait another four and then another four and then another four we've lost sixty percent of the time we have left to save this planet the time is now uh, jill stein is an important part of that the green party's not the whole answer we need a coming together of everybody who recognizes that capitalism and it's two-party system have to be challenged from top to bottom
0: and- How can people get involved with the ISO or what would you recommend that people that may be listening to this program uh, can do right now?
10: I would really encourage people to, I love Facebook, it's great, it spreads the news, but people have to join organizations people have to train themselves to be lifelong activists. They need to build grassroots organization where they live, in their union, in their neighborhood, in their school. And if we don't develop a generation of people that gets off the internet and gets into the streets, then we can protest. We can make our views known, but they don't care about our views and they don't care about uh, so much about symbolic protests. What they care about is power. And if we can't, make our unions more active, if we can't make our neighborhoods more active to stop gentrification, if we don't build mass movements. What we need right now, we need millions of people. But before we get millions of people, we need thousands of organizers who dedicate their lives to learning the history, to getting out in the streets, to building local organization. As as a socialist, as a member of the ISO, I would encourage people to join the ISO. If you're not going to join the ISO, join another organization, but become part of an organization or a trade union or a student group or a community organization, and figure out how you're going to help be part of the solution, um, you know, and that's that's a that's a difficult thing. I think it's a long-term thing. But if we don't, if we want millions of people to be on our side, then 10,000 people in this country need to decide that starting this year. Uh, With the millions of people who want socialism and have been following Bernie Sanders, we need 10,000 of those people to say, I'm going to be one of the people who holds things together, who organizes my neighbors, my co-workers, my classmates, Uh, and that layer of people can't simply be... Uh, observers. They have to be participants. So, you know, as a socialist, we put a lot of effort, uh, a lot of emphasis on what Karl Marx used to say, which is that socialism has to be the self-emancipation of the working class, that ordinary people have the power. Uh, We don't need saviors from on high. We need tens of thousands of people who are going to be the organizers. What we're going to be doing in in about an hour and a half is going to be marching uh, with the uh, Equality Coalition um, and a march for civil rights against gentrification down to uh, the Convention Center. Um, We're going to be meeting up there with the Power to the People rally that Jill Stein is putting on with a great program of speakers. And then later tonight, we're all going, and then for the rest of the week, every night, we're going to the Socialist Convergence, which is at the American Friends Service Committee house. And people are absolutely welcome uh, to check that out online. And we really encourage people, if you were somebody who had your heart set on Bernie and now you're getting Hillary, come check out the Socialist Convergence. Uh, You can find it on Facebook with all the directions. And you're going to hear Kianga Yamada-Taylor about her book from Black Lives Matter. To black liberation. You're going to hear Jill Stein, you're going to hear Bhaskar Sankara from Jacobin, you're going to hear uh, Amy Muldoon from the International Socialist Organization, you're going to hear Kashama Sawan from Socialist Alternative, Uh, you're going to hear uh, Chris Hedges, uh, award winning author, uh, etc. You're going to hear a bunch of people making an argument about how we can start to put this uh, alternative into the streets and into the voting booths.
0: Well, Todd, thank you so much uh, for being on our show here. Thank you. Thanks
10: thanks very much, and I love your show. It's a really important contribution. WBAI and uh, and the Pacifica Radio Network are real champions, uh, and I don't know where we'd be without them. Thank you.